When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yes, what's going on, fight fans? It's the weekend reaction show to the big weekend that we've just had seeing Josh Taylor becoming a unified super lightweight champion in one of the fights of the year, no doubt. Fantastic fight between him and Pagrai. And obviously we're going to cover off some of the other fights on that particular bill, Chisora and Price, Selby and Burns as well. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you guys a direction to go to us and find us on social media. So... You've been listening to us for weeks or months or maybe even the two years that we've been going. And if you have, you know where to find us. But for those that haven't been listening maybe for that long and you're not really sure where to find us, here it is. It's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. If you've not already subscribed, you can do it by checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, or you can find us on any other good available podcasting app out there. And as always, I'm joined by Johnston Brown to cover this weekend and let's talk about the main fight then Johnston first first thoughts and first reactions from yourself on what about this fight this weekend it was thrilling wasn't it it really was an absolute banging fight Uh, it was it was 12 rounds of just great entertainment Um, both guys impressed me I thought I thought they both showed an absolute uh, absolute will to try and win this fight you know both undefeated and they both went in there, never, never tasted defeat before, and they went for it. They went for broke, and not only did they, it wasn't just a, a matter of two guys going for broke and just sort of swinging for the fences. It was literally, it was a very technical fight, but also it just, it was just engrossing. Everything about the fight was just 
just outstanding. Uh, it, it was just a great, an absolute pleasure to watch. And, and these guys, no doubt, are now feeling it for the next couple of days. Um, and you know what? All you've got to say is just the utmost respect for the two fellas for putting on such a fine performance for us. It was a fantastic fight. I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the the, techni- the technical side of the fight. You know, the way the fight sort of started out, how we expected it to be, which was you know, both guys sort of feeling each other out pretty early on. And then Taylor really started to try and up the tempo pretty early on as well. I think he set quite a frenetic pace from the early going. But I think going back through the fight and looking back on it now, I think, you know, you look at the way it went and I think Progray, I think the early rounds, it was it was really, really heavily competitive. It was really hard to split the early round and we were talking about this when we previewed the fight you know of how close it could possibly be and I know we both picked Taylor to win it and and closely win it as well which is you know what I think most people was expecting on the night and you know I really really felt felt like this has shown us now that if anybody had doubts over Josh Taylor's ability to to step up to that level and, and you know become an elite fighter in the super lightweight division I think this has kind of answered all them questions really and I mean, there's still people that were out there that were talking about the fact that maybe, you know, Pagrai could have won that fight and on another night he, he should have won that fight. But for me personally, I felt like it was uh, the right decision. I felt like Pagrai definitely justified a rematch. I don't think it was controversial enough to demand a rematch, but I do think I'd like to see it again in the future. But I think first and foremost, for now, we've got a unified super lightweight champion. We've got a guy who is only one belt away from, from potentially becoming undisputed in the division and I think this is exactly why he called out Jose Ramirez next because Jose Ramirez is the guy now he needs to beat to, to basically subseal the deal and cement his legacy and one thing that I didn't realise from from earlier on and I've found a little bit more about that today looking on social media someone put a really good tweet out and I didn't even realise this until I read it so the tweet was in 16 fights, Josh Taylor has faced opponents with a combined record of 282 wins, 68 losses and 14 uh, draws on the record. So that's four past or present world champions and four undefeated fighters in them 16 fights as well. So that alone for me just spoke massive volumes and I didn't realise that was the case up until reading that tweet and I was thinking to myself, actually, for 16 fights... He's done a hell of a lot. He really has, hasn't he? I mean, it's, it's quite exceptional what he's done uh, for such, in such a short space of time. Uh, and and, to, and as, I, as we mentioned on the show before, I mean, we were trying to break down this fight and how we and how we felt it'd go. You know, I always felt that Taylor had been, he had been, his, his career had, it just went on a, on a nice level. It was always, you know, even with, with that Postal fight, for instance, I was a bit like, oh, at the time, maybe that's a bit too early. And he proved again, you know, that, that fight there, if anything, showed that he could take a shot. And I think that's one thing we noticed in the fight with Progre. And they, they both can. I mean, end of the day, these guys can both bang. And uh, they both landed some very big shots to the head and to the body. They, they worked the body well. They mixed it up brilliantly. What, what I loved about it, their styles, it was just, it, it just gelled brilliantly. 
And 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 that's one thing. You know, these guys that you've got to give them credit for is the fact that they can not take a shot. A pair of them can, and they can also throw them. And you know, many guys in this division would have struggled with that. And they and with the pace they set. And as you say, I think Taylor's pace was just. I think maybe that's what done that that one in the fight. Maybe the fact that he was a little bit more busier in some of the rounds. Um, when I didn't sit there and score round for round. Um, I felt sort of going into. I think that round nine. I think I had it. I had it pretty even. I think I had about four each. After eight ran, I thought Taylor then sort of just edged in front a little bit. Then it went back again. It was sort of it was two and fro. You, you could have literally gone ten nine one way, ten nine the other, and it could have gone all that way. So you know when you look at sort of the third judge, for instance, that had it as one one forty one one forty, and I can't really argue with it. I mean, watching it in spades in in, in bits and bobs today again. Um, at first time I watched it, I thought, I thought Taylor won it. I thought he won it by a round or two. And then watched it again. And then there was a couple of rounds where I probably edged it to Taylor. In actual fact, Pogay probably could have got it. So you couldn't have argued with a draw, um, which would have been interesting because obviously they had the countback rule from the two who won the Mohammed Ali uh, trophy, where if there had been a draw, then um, they would have gone back to the 12th round to decide who would have won that fight. And I think that 12th round, I think Pogay might have just got it. Um, either way, end of the day, Taylor won the fight. It wasn't a dominant performance, but it was just an outstanding fight. I think. The, the pair of them deserve a lot of respect and, and even Pro Gray after the fight he did um, and he said the better man won so credit to him as well and uh, the pair of them had, had a photo taken together the next day and it's all over social media and they've gone out for drinks which is that's just that's what you want to hear it's great stuff isn't it you know no animosity between each other and um, yeah they're, they're you know they're both worthy champions obviously Taylor now holds the two belts and hopefully he can go on and, and get the Ramirez fight I think when you look at boxing in general at the moment there's obviously weekends where you think to yourself oh god there's so many negative things going on in the sport or there's you know unfortunately there's people passing away as a result of being involved in the sport and, and competing in the ring and putting their lives on the line and you get all this negative light on it and then you get weekends like this where you get absolute memorable fights fights that people are going to remember for a long time for for not just the actual competitiveness of it but the outcome of the result and what it meant to to, to all the Scottish fans of course and you know one of the funny things that make me laugh is is obviously how fickle people can be and I think it's something uh, I kept on seeing all weekend over social media was that Josh Taylor obviously Scottish born and bred but then it's like the media label him as a Brit and don't define him as a Scot. So straight away, people are saying, oh yeah, he's British, he's British. No, look, right, he's, he, let's just clear it up. He's Scottish at the end of the day. He's a Scottish fighter. And although I'm an Englishman and you're an Englishman, I am still proud of the fact that he comes from this same island that we live on. He might come from north of where we live, but he comes from the same island as where we live on. And whilst we're not Scottish, I'm super proud of him. And he's, he's Scottish in my eyes. He's not British. He's, he's a, you know, he's Scottish born and bred. And I think there was so many people saying like, oh, well, if he loses, people will then clash him as British. And I was just like, oh, for God's sake, people can be so, people can be so fickle when it comes to these things. I think we should just be thankful that we've got a guy like Josh Taylor that comes from the island that we live on that is actually representing his country proudly and and representing this island, this part of the world where we live in. And, and for me, I'm, I'm proud of that fact and that he's you know he's he's, condo- he's conducting himself in such a such a professional manner and you know he's a great champion. And hopefully we'll get to see him in some mega fights. And for Bagrai, 
he's been over here for the last three weeks and the way he's conducted himself in the lead up to the fight and after the fight has also been something you know to, to really respect and this is what you were saying about you know how it's been good and there's been no animosity and yeah they had a few little bits of needle in the in the build up but that's just tension that's just more trying to get each other you know under each other's skin in the lead up to the fight I understand that but you know there's total respect there afterwards and you know they're talking about a potential rematch in the future in terms of how I see things going down at the moment now you know realistically it doesn't surprise me if what we get now for Josh Taylor is a defence against Lewis Ritterson maybe in Newcastle or maybe in Edinburgh and then he will then fight Ramirez sometime next year and I that's how I think things will play out because marketability-wise, in the UK, you could you could sell out a big football stadium or a big arena between them, Lewis Ritson and Josh Taylor. I think it would it would do the business in terms of numbers for tickets and bums on seats for sure. And then I think then that's when they'll push him over to maybe fight in America to fight Ramirez over in America. And I think that's can that's kind of how I see things playing out for Josh Taylor. Uh, for for Pagrai, I think obviously now he's going to need to go back and he's going to need to try and look at another route to, to kind of get himself back into world title contention and maybe that rematch will come, I don't know, but he he's also shown that he's just an absolute classy fighter and no matter what happens now in their respective careers, I think... You know, both have, have have left us a bit of a lasting legacy in terms of what they delivered in the World Boxing Super Series final, and uh, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, how do you think Taylor's you know next twelve months is going to play out? Do you think it will play out the way I think it will play out, or do you think they'll just put him straight in there and and push for the Ramirez fight and and not go for the Ritson fight because he doesn't need it? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. I think I think if the Ramirez fight is there, um, I think it's a fight they probably would take. Um, I, I still feel that Taylor and Progray are. I, I believe that they're just a little. You know, I, I think they're better fighters than Ramirez. Let's just get it right. I think R- Ramirez is an excellent fight, but he proved that against Marie Tucker. Um, we see that it was an, another excellent fight this year in this division. Um, it wouldn't actually surprise me if we see a Ramirez Progray uh, fight. Um, it's a fight I think the Americans wanted. I think they felt if a, if a, if Progray could have got through this, then that would have been a mammoth fight. Two Americans up against each other to, to uh, for undisputed. Um, but as you say, Taylor, that wouldn't be a bad move. Um, just to give himself a, a, another, you know, another name, another test. I think Lewis Ritson is is a danger. He's a banana skin, definitely. I think Taylor is better than Ritson, but you know, Ritson has progressed and he's, he's come for an excellent fight recently. So it's a fight that could happen. I, I, I really not too sure I, I, if I was sort of in the Taylor's camp I would be saying let's take the Ramirez fight now you know he's, he's you know they're both young the pair of them um, but I mean Taylor Ritson and then maybe even Ramirez Progray I mean it sounds crazy that, that Progray sort of lost the fight and, and I'm sort of saying that he could go and fight Ramirez who does have two belts but you know Progray lost that fight. If he was in America, the chances are Progray may well have got that. Um, I'm not not saying that you know because it was over here Taylor got it, but let's be honest, um, it is it does tend to go that way when you know judges can be swayed by the home crowd, and and I think maybe that could have been the situation because as I say, I watched it second time and I think that you know Progray could have even won the fight. It is it was that close. There was literally nothing between it. It was very very fine margin, and they are the two best. If they fought five times, you know it could go three two. 
Progre. It, it is that, that's, that's how easy, you know, that's how close they are in terms of what's going to happen next. I think, for Taylor, I think fight Ramirez. If he can get it, fight him. And then, you know, chances are that he's big for the weight. He could move up to the 147 and get himself a really big, massive, super sonic fight in welterweight division. Um, you know, one of the top, top stars in America. So, you know, you never know. It's possible. Um, I, I think I think you're probably on more of the, the right note, though, Sean. I think maybe Ritson is a fight there probably going to go with and I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Well, these mandatory... Well, he makes himself in the position to potentially become a voluntary, doesn't he? I nearly said mandatory, but I think he's put himself in the position uh, beating Robbie Davis Jr. because that was a, a WBA eliminator, if, if I'm right in remembering. So that yeah. puts him at the top of the pile to fight for the WBA title, which Taylor now holds. So in the interim, while you've got the WBO and WBC titles with Ramirez, taking the fight with Ritz and defending the WBA version, if the IBF would sanction that fight, I don't know if they would, and whether it would only be for the WBA, then obviously Taylor gets a defence over here in the UK and then maybe Ramirez like you say, fights fights Pagrai or, you know, you look down the list and, you know you've got Victor Postol, he's, he's still high up there who Taylor beat, and then you've got obviously the Maurice Hooker, potential rematch there coming through there, but other than that really, you know, you can see Ramirez having another fight and then you can see these two clashing later on next year because it makes probably makes more sense because the, 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 the you know the money will be more there than I think I think if there's another big fight over or maybe try and see if they can push them to get them on the same bill I don't know I mean obviously there's too many politics involved with promotional side of things and TV network deals but I think ideally I think you'd expect them to, to both make a defence of, of their titles respectively and then eventually go in there sort of mid to late next year and, and that's how I see things going down but ultimately final my final thought on on this fight was that you know we've had two weekends where we've had two potential fight of the year contend contenders really and a great fight great night really enjoyed it and i think we'll we're going to move on and talk about some of the other fights on that card because obviously we we was really excited to catch what was going to happen uh, in the heavyweight fight between Derek Chisora and David Price and and how it would go down and ultimately it went down for me personally the way I expected it to go down with Jizora coming out and, and trying to pummel Price and he eventually did that and Price's corner you know basically had enough and said nope we're going to pull him out of the fight and something that I didn't know was that apparently he went in there he went in there and fit in the night so I didn't hear that until afterwards but again this is another situation Price has took the fight at late notice not fully fit and, and took a risk really and that risk hasn't paid off yeah it is I mean I did I, I it could have gone either way. I mean, I threw Price's name forward when we've done our, our previews. So, you know, I walked, I got I got two out of three right again this week. And you, you got the whole 100% show, um with, with getting there, Chisora as well. Um, that, um, I think it was it was going to go one way. It was either, when it, when the fight started, I thought, yeah, here we go. I think I think Chisora's got his number literally from the off. Um, I just didn't think Price looked right. He didn't like the same Price that was in the ring against Alice. Um, so maybe I didn't hear that. I didn't know he was unfit. Possibly, that's, 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 you know, it is what it is. If that is the case, then he's silly for taking the fight. He's seeing it as a big opportunity. But, you know, if it's a big opportunity, you can't be going into a fight like that unfit. You know, that's probably, that's bad on his side, really, and, and not good management. Um, but either way, look, 
Chisora proved himself that you know he could get rid of Price, and Price has proved that he's just not there. Well, you know, even against the guys that are, you know, that, I mean, Chisora, he, he steps up a level when he's going to get beat. That's just that's how Chisora's career's gone, and and Price has had the same. So it's quite interesting to see him match up and how it work out. And we're just he's just too strong for him. Um, he, he got too close to him. Price didn't have the power to keep him off of him, and you know whether that was a fitness issue or not. Either way, I think many like yourself, you expected Chisora to do it. It didn't shock me, um, so a bit disappointed really because I thought Price, after the performance against Allen, he was going to he was going to do himself a little bit more justice than, than what he produced the night. But you know, where does Price go from here? Really, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what's the point in it, sort of staying around unless he wants to fight some of the young guns coming through. And Chisora, obviously, he's got a Parker fight. It looks like that's going to happen still anyway. So that's a good fight for Chisora if he can get through Parker, and who knows, he can end up getting a world title shot again. It's crazy to think, but you know, Derek, you know, he's, he's just, he's one of these fighters, you don't know what you're going to get with him, and then and all of a sudden he will produce the good, so good luck to Derek, he deserved the win, and um, yeah, I'm not really sure where to go with Pricey, though. Well, I think Pricey has to retire for me, personally, I mean, I don't really want to see him, I've said this before, and then he's kind of pulled it back just for one more night, and I think it's time for him to call it a day personally I, I'm, I'm i'm sorry to say this to anybody yeah. that that kind of loves pricey and, and wants to kind of see him do well you know our good friend jordy neal he was a big massive pricey fan he still is and he'd love to see you know pricey continue to do well but i think you've got to admit to yourself now he's there's nothing left for him to do there's no logical routes for him to go i mean they've they've given him these lifelines three or four lifelines in the past 12 months and you know on some of them he's delivered and on some of them he's not and i think you've got to ask yourself the question why am i doing this is he doing it for a financial stability fair enough i understand why he would be if he's still doing it however if he's just doing it for pride's sake i think it's time to sort of put that pride aside and and find another way of of, you know satisfying that need to to be around boxing or be involved in boxing i mean i don't know pricey so i can't really comment on on what he's sort of feeling you know and and where his sort of headspace is at at the moment but you know, if I was an advisor or I was somebody close to him, I'd be saying, look, what else have you got to, to, to do now? You know, you won the British European Commonwealth titles. You know, you went in there with some fantastic fighters and you come up short in certain occasions. He was very unlucky to go in there with obviously proven drugs cheats. You can't change the past now. It is what it is. I think you've just got to be accepting of, of what level you're at and what level you, you was able to get to and maybe call it a day and keep your health intact. And that's just me personally speaking. That's how I feel about it. And I think there's probably... You know, a lot of people that echo the same sentiments, but then there's maybe a few people that think, oh, well, he's, you know, he's got this big punch and one punch could change it all and change his career. And I just think, no, you you know, you're going down a bit of a dodgy road when you start to sort of think like that about it. And that's when you start to put yourself in the position where your health could be intact later on down the line. And I think he's got to retire, hasn't he? What else can he do? It is, at the end of the day, when you look at Price's defeats, they are really bad defeats as well. They're not like close defeats. He gets knocked out quite badly. Yes, he's knocked out a few, but he's been badly hurt. And I think it gets to the stage where, you know, at his age, it, it seems a bit daft where he steps into the ring and he might get hurt really bad. I mean, we've seen it with Patrick Day so recently, and that was tragic news. Um, really, really bad um, black mark on boxing once again and, and it's just tragic um, and you know you wouldn't want David Price to go down that sort of route but this is what we're talking about is how dangerous the sport is and you're absolutely right Sean I think you know as I say unless he wants to go and fight the young guns and give maybe someone like an Ethan Gorman a stepping stone or a, 
or Daniel Dubois, but you know he runs the risk of getting himself hurt, doesn't he? And it, it just seems a bit silly, really. And I don't see the point in him sticking around. And I think you're right. I think he needs to assess. You know, he's got done by Chisora. To be honest, I mean Chisora for all the people that love him and really like him, and think he can do something. I don't think he can. I think he just he's not good enough at the top level for me, Derek. And he's had a lot of life runs himself. And that was basically it was the last chance alone. And I think this is it now. And I think you're right. I think Price should knock it on the head and just. Just hang up his gloves, and and there's nothing bad about it. He, he can't, you know, he shouldn't feel bad about that. You know, he just wasn't good enough, unfortunately, for that world level stage. And you know, as you say, he's won Commonwealth on European British titles. That's a massive achievement, and he should he should he should just take that on board and just accept the fact that you know he, he got to that level, and that's it. That's as good as he was, and that's that's great. And also, just obviously touching on Chisora, I I, I want to see the fight with Parker. That's the logical step for him to take. You know, it's a good fight for both of them. Uh, I think it's, again, I think it's last chance saloon for, for Derek Chisora. I think lo- losing to Parker would, for me, spell the end of his career. But winning against Parker, like you said, would potentially put him in that, you know, position to maybe fight the Usyk in the future. And it's just crazy to sort of think he's he's one win away from a big fight and he's one loss away from maybe retirement and that's that's such a, a difficult sort of limbo crossroads to be in I think at the moment but you can't really count him out you know he's, he's the amount of times he's gone in there and you think about some of the losses he has on his record where he's just looked unmotivated and, and, and unwilling to kind of be there I remember him, his second loss to Tyson Fury he was just he just weren't there he weren't motivated and the European title shot he had I think it was last year or the year oh. before again that was terrible he just looked out of shape and not interested at all but at the moment he seems very very motivated at this stage of his career to kind of do something significant before he calls it a day and yeah I'd like to see Parker next I think that'll be an entertaining fight for the fans I think they'll need to get us get that on another big card maybe on the undercard of a, a big fight I can't see that selling on its own of course even though as we know in the build-up, Chisora felt like he was the uh, the headline act. I don't think it'd sell on its own, but I'd like to see it on the undercard of, a, of another big card and you know get another quality deep card full of full of great fights and good matchups. And this was this was the best UK matchroom card I think we've seen this year. Um, I mean, the one the week before was was probably the best free t- free matchroom card we had this year and I think this was probably the best pay-per-view one we had this year so far uh, looking at the, the the actual card and looking at the fights we got and another fantastic fight was below that was obviously Ricky Burns and Lee Selby which I felt again was you know another crossroads fight for both men and I think it's kind of left Ricky Burns in the position obviously after losing a you know a close fight with with Lee Selby it's put him in that position where it's got to, you've got to con- contemplate what's left for you to do at this point and I, I managed to catch that interview he had with uh, with IFL after the fact and you know he's quite emotional about the fact that you know he he thought he'd done done enough to win and he feels like he, he still wants to continue but man the guy's a freeweight world champion again I don't I don't see the reason for him to, to, to sort of stay boxing at this point. However, he, he was very competitive in that fight and I think he would still give a lot of big names a run for the money. But one thing I noticed about the later half of that fight was that I think he, he just he just lost a little bit of a step, maybe just half a step in the work that he does. It's like he's you know, lost half a second of speed, and he's getting older, the guy's, you know, 36, remember, we've got to remember this, and I think he's, he's that fight with Selby, I think if he would have had this three years earlier, even only three years earlier, I think it probably could have been a very close split decision, win or loss, 
either way and I think what happened in this fight for me was that the early rounds were very competitive and the second half of the fight the work of Selby started to really come through the the accuracy the the, the way he was picking the punches and the way Burns was getting frustrated although he looked aggressive coming forward at times that aggressiveness weren't always translating to actual landed punches and for me that was what the difference was in that particular fight but it was another cracking fight again yeah I think I think you uh, hit the nail on the head I see the fight the same way I thought it was close uh, for the first sort of eight rounds even um, and then it was it, I think I think I felt Selby just had a little bit left a little bit more left in the tank and I think he showed that um, it was just a little bit more elusive and he was able to you know, as you say burn just wasn't wasn't following through, wasn't hitting the target as often as, as maybe he was in the earlier stages and maybe all those years we've seen Ricky Burns where, you know, he sort of he sort of maintains his level, doesn't he? He doesn't burst, sort of burst out the blocks and then fade at the end or he doesn't he doesn't get stronger towards the end of the fight. He literally stays pretty much the same and he's a constant um in terms of his level. But I do think that, you know, as he was sort of coming forward, he was just uh, just I think he just found and the, the puzzles were just a little bit tricky, you know, where, where Selby was setting sort of odd traps here and there and, and, and making sure that he, he was able to land the shots and move out of trouble. And I think, um, you know, although it was very close, this, this, you know, let's get it right, it was nowhere, we just spoke about prior to a minute ago, and, you know, that was a full-on tutorial win. There was, there was no doubt in that. And, and this one was a lot closer. So I can understand why, why Ricky Burns was feeling a bit emotional because, you know, it was a very close fight again. Uh, so I could understand why he would want to go on and he would cause other, you know, some of the big names in the division, uh, you know, a bit of trouble. But let's face it again, you know, he's, he's on the decline. There's no doubt about it. You know, you get to his age, you know, you don't get any better. Um, only, there's only a certain few fighters are able to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe he may again produce a magic night. Um I think, you know, look, come on, he, he's up there. For me, he's up there with, with Ken Buchanan and Jim Watt. He is, and he deserves to be. He's, he's one of the top Scottish, from Scotland, he is, he's one of the top, top guys, legendary for them, um, and rightly so. And, you know, I think when you look at Taylor, for instance, and you see this young kid, sort of, he, he's making waves and he's their next star, really. And, and Burns is, is now, I think that, that light's burnt out for him. And I think it's time for him to call it a day himself, Um so I'm with you. I think it was close, and I can understand why he'd want to continue. And I can understand why he's feeling emotional about it. But you know, let's face it. it you know, he could, as I say, he could have a magic night. So you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't begrudge it. Um, but I think you are. Right. I think again. I think it, it was a last chance to lose. We mentioned it in, in the show when we was picking our, our winners, and and I think um, we both picked Selby as well. And I, and Selby, credit to him. Let's, let's give credit to Selby. I think now he can now move on in division and hopefully get himself a world title shot. Yeah, definitely. And another fight, the fourth on that list of, of really evenly matched fights for this particular card was obviously Lawrence Okolai and Yves Ngabu for the European Cruiserweight title. Okolai coming out of the end of what I think was a, a bit of a a bit of a, a lukewarm fight, I think is the best way I can describe this fight because I think people were heavily criticising him before and I think I can understand that people are still heavily Heavily criticising him again because of the way his the way his fighting style is. Let's just have it right. You know, this is this yeah. is what people don't like. They don't like the fact that he can get in there, he can throw one or two punches, and then he grabs and holds and smothers the work of his opponents. And I think this is something that I feel I need to to, to sort of address a little bit more in detail because obviously I I you know I've been suspect to sort of say some of his fights have been 
shit basically to watch they've not been on the eye they're not good to watch let's let's be honest you know there's there's two or three where you think yeah he looks he looks shit on it he looks like a guy that i want to continue to watch and then you get the chamberlain and asking fights in particular and you think oh man this is this is so bad this is so bad to watch but you've got to remember, we're just the guys on the other side of the coin. We're not the ones in the ropes. We're the ones sat at home watching it or sat at ringside watching the fights. At the end of the day, I think what it is with Lawrence Okolai, he's got a certain style to him now. He knows how to use his body. People are saying he is lazy. I think sometimes he can be lazy. But I think what he's doing is he's negating his opponent. And he's throwing sort of one, two shots in. And then he's grabbing. He's doing what Klitschko used to do. Klitschko, Vladimir made an absolute career out of it and, and a Hall of Fame career at that let's have it right with him as well he made a Hall of Fame career out of the jab and grab and hold and whilst it is not entertaining to watch when they do get them big knockouts as we've seen against Ngarbu on Saturday night people you know are, are happy with the end result of the situations but they're just not happy about say the previous six rounds of the fight where all it looks like he's doing is jabbing grabbing and holding and I, again I understand from a fan's perspective that you're not really going to want to watch that as a fan boring to watch but as the guy that's in the ring against a guy who wants to get up close and personal and, and throw them shots in the body throw the uppercuts in you're negating everything he's doing by smothering every single bit of work that he's doing it's not pretty to watch but it's very very effective it isn't pretty it isn't um absolutely i will i I can't even tell you how many times i've watched lawrence okali and i just seem to think that maybe he will get better but i just think he's he's found a formula to winning um and it isn't pretty to watch um you know he's getting the wins you know he's now european champion um he's now sitting what looking on boxer he's sitting fourth in the world um could you imagine in the ring with Dorticus or um, Marius uh, Bredidis? Uh, you know, I think I think they will. I, th- I think they would expose him. Um, you know, it's still early days for him. This, this get out right as well. He's only got 14 fights and he's won them all. And, you know, he's beaten anyone, everyone that has been put in front of him, and, and he has moved up levels. Um, but he's just terrible to watch. He really <laughs> is. Uh, uh, unless we sort of get a, a situation where we get a referee in there that's going to be really strict on the holding situation and start taking points off him. I, I believe there was one fight um, where he got a couple of points deducted. I think he might have even been uh, the Chamberlain fight, actually, where he got a point or two deducted. And it has happened throughout his career where I've watched a few fights where referees have gone, right, we've had enough of this. And I think maybe I need to just get hold of it. Where we, you know, when, when it does eventually because he looks that way I mean let's be honest he's you know he's, he's got a European title now as I say he's sitting fourth in the rankings and you know you look at that cruiserweight division he ain't that far off of them um, but when you look at those guys and you see a Coley you're sort of thinking how's that going to pan out um, yeah it's, it's, it's interesting because um when he does, as I say, when he does make that step up, how, what 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 the referee is going to be like? They know how, what he's, he's a spoiler. He's gonna he's gonna grab you, he's gonna hold you. So they're going to be on the referee to make sure they get a referee in there that's strict and is not invite does not want to involve any of that leaning on his opponent and using his weight and his frame. So that will be interesting. But again, you know, he's, he's boring. I can understand the criticism. I really can. He will always come out and say, "Look, I'm holding all these belts. Got pictures of all these belts, and he is winning." It's almost like with the old. When I go back to football, um, we used to watch the Italian sides and they would win a game 1-0. As soon as they go 1-0 up, they literally will defend for their lives. And well, some people will say it's a fine art in defending. I mean, I wouldn't say that. You would you'd quite say that about Lawrence Coley, But, you know, it is 
really mundane and you can be like, oh, God's sake, please, someone just open up, get yourself a bit of space. And, and, and when he does do that, he actually looks really good, I think. When he throws that jab and he kicks the distance and then he follows it up, he could be quite spiteful and powerful. And that's what, they're the times when you look at, oh, hang on a minute, here we go. And then he's like, ah, oh, Lawrence, really? Um, so, yeah, it's frustrating to watch that I can understand the criticism. But at the end of the day, he's knocking on the doors of those world title fights. You know, one fight I would like to see is uh, Richard Reactor or... Tommy McCarthy, I think. I think Tommy, Tommy McCarthy. I think he probably would beat. Although he had a great night the other night in Italy, but I think Re- Richard Reactor would be would be a good fight, an interesting fight actually, and whether he would be able to do that too, because Reactor is quite a big big guy. Um, saying that, will he want to take on him? Take on a guy that's sort of you know what is he twelve and zero? I think now Reactor ten and zero. I mean, look, he's only fourteen and zero, but he's European, British champion, Commonwealth champion. He's he's, he's got the lot. So um, I don't know. It was a bore fest for me. Uh, he got the job done. So I suppose you can't knock it, can we? It's hard, Johnston, because I understand totally where you're coming from, where a lot of people are coming from, and I just think it is just the way he's adopted to the, this style of fighting. And you know, I, I've I've seen this before. I've seen this with. Klitschko, Bernard Hopkins was another fighter that at times would do a similar thing. And, you know, these are guys that have gone on to to have great careers. And I'm not suggesting I'm comparing the careers of a Coli, Hopkins or Klitschko, but I'm just sort of pointing out to, to people that may have forgotten about fighters like these that used to adopt that same style and it was boring it was very boring people used to slag Klitschko off of being the era of the boring heavyweights you know because he was the guy that would do that and again I understand I understand why they were doing that because they were making it easier for themselves but for me what's the alternative does he then open up a bit more like you were suggesting does he open up and leave himself more susceptible you know we've not really seen him take any major full-blooded shots off anybody yet i've not really seen him in any danger yet is it you know has he got a chin i don't know i don't i don't see him sparring the gym i don't know has he got a chin he probably has he's probably got a great chin but we haven't seen it checked yet because he doesn't open up so the alternative is for the purpose of us as fans, does he then open up and take a risk against somebody who's a big name and then ends up getting beat? He's not going to do that. It's as simple as that. He ain't going to do that. He's going to adopt that style. And if it works for him, whether it be a Dortikoff or a Bradis in the division, he's going to adopt that style. He's going to adopt what works for him. And I think, I suppose, if that's what works for him as a fighter, then that's what he's going to have to do. He ain't going to care about me and you sat here talking about it. You know, he's, he's going to he's going to care. He's going to care about getting the title, a world title. So. That's what I think a lot of people that criticise him need to also try and think when they think about, oh, that was a shit fight, he looked really crap. But in reality, if that's what's winning him titles, then that's what's going to work for them. So, yeah, whilst I, whilst I don't, as a fan, I don't enjoy watching them style of fights. I really don't. I think they're crap. I think they're boring to watch. But then, you know, if you're the one that's advising them, it's like, well, he's getting the job done. So, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, the guy is now won a British Commonwealth and a European cruiserweight title, and he's well on his way to pushing for a world title before moving him up to heavyweight, which is, I know, what they're going to eventually do with him. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on with some of the bigger names in the division, and I will be interested to see how things play out for him over the next 12 months. But let's go and move on to Conor Ben then, because obviously Conor Ben was someone we spoke about on the preview episode this weekend, and... I'll be honest, I think this was a much improved performance from Conor Ben. I enjoyed his fight. I enjoyed him getting in there and, and being a little bit more composed 
with what he was doing in the ring. I think composed is probably the right word. Normally, you know, he'd go hell for leather, and he does at times. He's got that sort of natural, you know, fighting ability about him that he wants to do that. But see him a lot more composed and taking his time a little bit more in this particular fight for me was uh, was I was impressed, and I was banging on about this in the preview episode about how his lack of amateur experience has has led to him having to have all the apprenticeship building fights. He's had to step up a level each time. He's had to be pushed on different levels and be involved in different types of fights and not just blow through his opponents and obviously this for me he was in there with a what a 33 34 fight veteran in Jamoye and he did a really good number on him for me and I think it was impressive absolutely I, I, I agree with you again um, I think I think Ben what I liked about him was the way he was targeting the body I thought he was really yeah he was calm with his work he wasn't rushing it which is one thing he is well known for and prone to be um, sometimes a little bit too explosive and wanting to get in too close too quickly uh, again, just sort of smothering his work and sometimes just, you know, he's, he's almost making himself not look as good. Um, now he's looking a little bit more relaxed in there. He's sort of, it's almost like in his, in his head he's thinking more before he's throwing his shots, which is something you want to see with Connor because there's no doubt the guy's got a chin. Yeah, he's been down a couple of times, but he would always get back up. Um, and he's got a shot on him. He's got a bit, he, he can hit a bit. And I just think you know, he seems like if he can continue to, to to do what he what he what he showed us on Saturday night, being patient, working the body, working the head, mixing it up, then you know, there's no reason why he can't move on in the division and and, and get a get a, a big name, a big fight. I think he needs a big fight there. Um, I mean, he's fifth. We're looking. At, I mean, he's fifth. He's sixteen. That was his sixteenth win, wasn't it? Sixteen and zero there. When we're talking about Lawrence Okola, he's just gone forward. and know he's now European champion after picking out the British and Commonwealth. And then you got Josh Taylor, who's just gone sixteen and zero, and he's a two weight world champion. So it's interesting. You no, know, no, the, the difference between those three guys in particular. Uh, so, so Ben clearly, it's evident. You know that. That amateur pedigree wasn't there, so he's navigating his way through the system now, and that's where I think we both said that you know people just need to accept the fact that he's going to take a little bit longer than everybody else. Um, but he's entertaining to watch. He is. I mean, we just spoke about how boring Lawrence Zakari is, and then Conor Ben. He's always entertaining for me. I've, I've watched loads of Conor Ben fights, and uh, and I've enjoyed them all. So you know, it's, it's just a perspective, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's whatever you like, um, and you know, you look at the division. It's there are names. I mean, there's guys in the British ranks that he could have a, have a right good bang up with. Um, you know, I, I know we mentioned uh, Johnny Garton recently, and I think that's a great fight. I really would love to see that. I hope it's a fight that's get, that does get made because um, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a Johnny Garton fan as well. He's, he's a middle boy, and he's uh, you know I, I enjoy watching Johnny, and he's you know he's, he's a guy that's gonna he's gonna come and he's gonna give Conor Ben loads of problems. I'm not quite sure where Conor wants to go, but. I think that's just a cracking fight to have domestically. And as I say, you can see on any undercard, that'd be great fun to watch. I think he's ready for that step up now. I think he's had a good apprenticeship. He's had them sort of 15 fights and, and, and he's moving up the levels now. And I think there's a couple of names floating about that people have spoke about. We've had, obviously, the Johnny Garton fight spoke about we've had uh, Joseph Laws who obviously was on the the Newcastle Bill a couple of weeks earlier he wants to fight Conor Ben and then we've also mm-hmm. had fights lined up with Luther Clay Luther Clay obviously went over to Italy uh, and won a couple of weeks back as well and that they, they, you know these are all three good names in the division that I think he should be looking at sharing the ring with now because these are the quality operators that he needs domestically to get under his belt because if he beats guys like this that's when people probably will start to believe in him a little bit more I think obviously 
obviously because we've seen him rough and ragged, you know, in his early stages of, of his career, and, and understandably so, people are making the comparison farther. As he's getting on in his fights, he's becoming a little bit more composed, and I just think it's because of the lack of experience he had as an amateur that's not giving him, you know, the opportunity to be able to transition. He's learning, you know. Who is it who says it all the time? He's learning on the job. Which which colour commentator does say it on Sky? They always say, oh, he's learning on the job, he's learning on the job. That's who it, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, I can't think of who it is, but I know what you're talking about. I, you do hear it all the time. It's like, it's like Adam Smith with his little cliches he keeps coming out with every week, same thing. Yeah, he's learning on the job. That's it. <laughs> he's doing he's doing exactly that. He's doing that cliche. He is, and, and I think as time goes on over the next 12, 18 months, I think we'll see him involved in better fights. So that was, was sort of the main attractions of the card, I would say. You had other fights on the undercard. Obviously, Shannon Courtney got a victory there on the undercard. You had Austin Amo Williams coming over from the USA, picking up a victory. Dennis Radovan. And then you had Abbas Bararu against John O'Donnell, picking up the WBC International Super Welterweight title, which made up the rest of that particular card. And, and one that was enjoyable for, for most parts. And I think a lot of people, you know, reacting to the whole show was saying that the main fight alone for Brian Taylor was well worth the 20 quid which was paid. And I think when you're getting fights of that quality, I think people are, are willing to sort of pay that level of money. And, you know, the undercard was okay. It wasn't the greatest undercard in the world, but I think it, it was probably the best matching pay-per-view show we've had this year, without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, definitely. I mean, the... The main fight, Taylor and Prograff, you know, that is one of the... Again, it seems to be saying it every week, but it really is one of the fights of the year. The, just the way they... Just the way everything panned out. I mean, it, it almost went how we sort of thought it would go. Um, but it, I don't think we expected to have the intensity in those 12 rounds and, and the class. I mean, the class of the pair of them was... There was no doubt that how, how great they were. I mean, I'm not even going to say like the great I'm saying they're great and I, and I do really mean that I think they are the top of their division I think they showed world class the, the way they boxed in that fight I think you know the way that as I said they mixed up their shots their footwork their head their head movement um, and, and just the way they, they they mirrored each other at times both southpaws and, and trying to figure each other out and then and just the different styles at times as well it gelled perfectly and it was just a great fight to watch and, and, and it, you know a credit to boxing you know after as you say that the awful news of Patrick Day and you know it's happened it's not just Patrick Day it's, it's other fighters that we've lost along the way in recent months um, and this fight just shows just you know what it's all about and how you know whether who knows these two that the way they fought that night you know it's going to take a little bit out of them they're going to need a bit of time to rest up and recoup because it really was a tough fight for the pair of them not just physically but mentally they were clearly always thinking in there and the fitness they showed um, you know they showed great fitness and courage and you know the words you could just keep going on all day with it but um, they it, it could be one of those fights that people will look back on in time and you know we could end up having this 10 years from now if we're still going Sean on a legendary night that good of a fight you know it would, it would be worthy of one let's be honest and it was it was an excellent fight and, and yeah it just it was worthy of 20 quid just that fight alone um, but a good night and all the card sort of you know it, it, I think if if um, if Price you know thank God Price did step in let's be honest because you know Parker was a good fight which is all and other than that and then obviously Burn Selby but other than that it was a bit of a wafer thin card I suppose for, for the money but good job the main event lived up to its billing yeah and I think that's what for me well it's what saved it essentially I think if people wouldn't have had this main event alone 
people would have just been like, no chance they're going to pay for that. If he would have been, if you would have put something else in there, if you would have put obviously Chisora and Parker as the main event and charged for that, I think people wouldn't have bought it. But it's like comparing it to when White fought Parker last July 2018, and you know people were, were shitting all over that. But then the undercard turned out to be one of the best undercards on. You know, in 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 practice, that happened on on paper. It wasn't didn't look great. It didn't look fantastic. But then when it got into go, it was it was amazing. It was a great undercard. You had obviously Chisora and Takem. You had Parker and White on the undercard. Great undercard, and that was one of the best ones that I think we've seen over the past twelve months. But it could have been a lot different. And I think the main fight was what made the night. And obviously, you had a couple of cracking fights on there, which which really did help the cause. So I think we've got to make sure we cover off some of the USA action. You know, I was forgetting about Shakur Stevenson in the preview episode, but I certainly didn't forget about him this weekend because I had went out of my way to make sure I managed to catch up with his fight, with him picking up the victory and the vacant WBO World Featherweight title against his his, his sister's boyfriend, Joette Gonzalez. Now, I didn't even know this was his, uh, his sister's boyfriend at all. It was just thought, you know, this is a bit of a crazy and mental situation that he'd gone in there and <laughs> he'd fought the guy who was dating his sister and I didn't even know until people started pointing it out on social media that I was just thinking to myself I wonder what like Thanksgiving is like around the table at their house <laughs> yeah god you know what I didn't even know that until you just mentioned it just now so well I, I, I can understand now when I'm sort of looking at this quote now and he's sort of saying uh, it's a great feeling one of the best feelings in my life I have a lot of respect for uh, Joette. Um, he's a great fire. I'm nothing against him. If he decides to be cool with me, I'll be cool with him. So hopefully that's a chat they can have on Thanksgiving, mate. Um, oh, well, at the end of the day, Stevenson, I think we felt that he would win this fight. It was never going to be um, an absolute shutout. Gonzalez is a guy that's going to, you know, he, he's got a good he's got a good pedigree and he was going to give him rounds. And I think he, he did that. Um, but it was a pretty shutout performance in terms of, you know, it was, was it 1-1-19, in favour of Stevenson? And the first name he calls out, Josh Warrington. He said, Josh Warrington, you are the champion. Now I am champion. Let's do this. I want a unified title. So that was music to me. It's um, not the performance itself. I thought he, he showed that he's ready. Um, and what a fight that is. I really do think that that is a good fight to have. Hopefully Warrington does decide, actually, do you know what, let's just go over to America and let's take this young buck on and, and he can take his Leeds clan with him because I think this is a fight that could that quite easily headline and it could do well. Yeah, it was great to hear him calling out Josh Warrington because it's a fight that excites me as a boxing fan, you know, to want to see it. You've got this young, hungry, freshly new world champion who wants to take on all challenges, really. He wants to take on everybody who's out there and he wants to unify the division and he doesn't want to back away from a fight and the first person he calls out in the division is Josh Warrington who seemingly, people are arguing, is maybe the best featherweight Again, debatable, subjective, of course, people might argue otherwise, but arguably he's the best featherweight in the world at the moment. Now Shakur Stevenson's up there with his world title. That could be an exciting fight. That would be good to see Josh Warrington go over to America, or could they bring Shakur Stevenson over to here? 
I don't know. I don't know if they'd have that sort of pulling power to do that. Again, it's depending on how they can how they can compete with purse bids if it should go to that. If it should be you know that 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 sort of way in the future. But for me, I think it's a great fight and a, a fight I would very much welcome to happen in the featherweight division and and would really get a lot of people talking. I think and like you said, it would be a main event on its own. Of course, it would absolutely. You've got this obviously amateur standout who's now become a world champion against a guy who's grinded his way throughout his career to get to the the, the the heights that he's at at the moment, beating some names that he weren't expected to beat. And he's going in there and we've got a genuine 50-50 class between two great champions. And I think that's something that we should welcome into boxing, given that we don't always get the fights we want to see all the time. So, yeah, great performance from Shakur Stevenson there over the weekend as well. So pretty, pretty chuffed to sort of see him getting a world title. I've been watching his career for a few years and I knew this day would come where he'd get this title. And I think now it's about getting him in these big fights with guys like our very own Josh Warrington. Definitely. And I mean, I say America. I mean, obviously, he's still young. There's still more for Tom Stevenson to come. So maybe they will be looking at it and thinking, well, actually, you know, you know, I remember I didn't see it in some view that maybe he's not that much of a big name for them to go to America. But on the other hand, the reason why I would say that is because this is a fight that I believe Josh Whiteland could win and it could be good timing for him to go over there and fight Stevenson at this point because I do think he will get better. You know, I think if anything, Stevenson will potentially go on to, to rule the division. I mean, that is a big thing for me to say, but I do believe he could do it and I think he will move up a couple of divisions as well. But at this moment in time I think, you know, they can they can ride it out and wait maybe till next year. But Stevenson will only get better. Um or I say next year but the year after. Um in the next couple of years Stevenson will be better and warrant and you know I'm not going to say he's going to start declining, but he he gets to a stage where, if not, he's at his peak already. So, you know, he can't stay at his peak forever when you get to the top of the mountain. There's only one way up from, you know, after the, from the top of the mountain, that's Dan. So, I think, personally, take the fight now while he's still young. Um, and I say that because it, I just think he's got a better chance of winning. Mayweather done it throughout his career. He, he'd pick, you know, look at the Keno fight, for instance. Now, I thought that was beautifully well done for Mayweather. He managed to pick Keno so early in his career. You know, because a few years later, a couple of years down the line, Canelo beats Mayweather. So, no, I, that's just something, you know, through the years of watching boxing, I think that's, that's maybe they need to look at that. I think if they were going to move up, which they're not going to do, Stevenson has actually said that if nobody wants to unify with him, he'll move up. He won't stick around to just defend his title. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Maybe Russell Jr., um, is the other guy. Maybe Stevenson, Russell Jr. could get it on there. Maybe that would be a big fight in America. Warren and then it could then sort of push on fight um, the, the Chinese fella. And then whoever wins those two fights. I mean, it all sounds brilliantly, you know, subjectively we all work out the, the way we can see it and pan out in the future. But in actual fact, how it always goes with promoters and, and TV rights. It never quite goes that way. But it's a great fight and I think it's something that should happen next year. Definitely should. So just before we, we sort of come to a little bit of breaking news, so to speak, if you've not already seen social media yet, there was obviously just one little shout out I wanted to give for this episode. Now, there's a fighter in the UK who's from the West Midlands, from the Birmingham area of the UK, who over the past five fights has, for me, completely turned his career around. His name is Ben Fields and I I call him the new bogeyman of boxing and the reason I call him that is because in his last five fights four of his opponents have been undefeated prospects who were expected to beat Fields and yet Fields has beat all four of them prospects taking their O's and all of a sudden has put himself in the position to be one fight away from fighting for an English title which 
obviously for UK fans I'll know it's a, it's, a, it's a way of stepping up to that British level, winning an English title. But for anybody that listens from the US, of course, this is probably like a state title. You'd probably class it as something of, of that of that nature. So you've got Ben Fields here, who essentially would be would have been classed as a journeyman a few fights ago, but has now started taking the undefeated record of prospects, which I find quite a compelling quite a compelling scenario. And he's not just that with with Ben as well. If you look look a little bit into his backstory, there is an article that's been been written by one of the writers from Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. If you go on the website, look at the interview with him. He's actually he actually did a bit of time in prison as well earlier on in his life, and he actually has a bit of a compelling story. And I think if you if you love stories and you love underdog stories and you love seeing you know guys come from sort of seemingly nothing to something, go and follow Ben Fields on social media. Go and follow his boxing journey because I tell you what, I bet there's some exciting nights to come from him yet. So I just wanted to use that opportunity as part of the episode to give him a shout out because you know I've really really enjoyed what he's been doing over the past four or five fights and and the way he's seemingly turned the perception of being a journey ran round into a boogeyman and for, hey this is this is boxing for you this is how quickly things can turn around so I was talking about breaking news. I was talking about breaking Johnston and the biggest breaking news that has just come out in the past hour as we started recording this is that Nigel Benn's comeback is off. So Nigel Benn has reportedly injured his shoulder in training and the proposed fight in November with Saki Obika is now off and it's not happening. Good news? Absolutely. Um, hopefully he will look at that and think, do you know what? Um, maybe it's time for me to call it a day. If he's getting injured in training, I mean... We have injuries in training all the time, obviously, but maybe them old bones ain't quite working as, as well as he thought they were. And uh, and now, uh, you know, he, he felt a twinge. And I'm not quite sure with the injuries. I didn't know it until you literally told me before, before we started this show, Sean. So I think maybe that's um, someone telling him something, to be honest. Maybe just, just don't do it. <laughs> And I really hope that is the case. I mean, I know people, it's been a bit 50-50 in terms of what people, how they feel, because, you know, the older fans like ourselves and those who are a little bit older than us, we're the ones that, that watch Nigel and we love to watch Ben and, you know, we have these great memories of him and that's what they are, mate. You know, they're, they're, they're fantastic memories. And there's no point in, in coming out and, and trying to just, 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 take this fight for what reason he, he believes he's, he has unfinished business but he's got no unfinished unfinished business from, from from his fans his fans don't see it that way you know he's had a had a great career and i think that he just needs to call it a day so hopefully he sees this as you know what it ain't happening um, i'm injured and um hopefully he knocks it on the head and decides actually it was a bad idea you know? <laughs> he's just gonna just support his son connor which is what i think he should be doing i don't i didn't want to see it happen simple as that for me I didn't want to see it happen in the first place and wasn't really keen on the idea of him doing it and this is a blessing in disguise blessing in disguise I think he needs to realise that whilst he feels like he's still got something left in his locker or in his basement that he wants to get rid of I think he needs to face facts that he's you know at the age of what 55 shouldn't really be boxing anymore should think about what his son's doing and maybe try and live vicariously through his son's achievements and you know we got to remember he did achieve a lot in boxing Nigel Benny it wasn't like he didn't achieve anything. God, you know, mm. people are... He was in the ballot for the Hall of Fame recently. He was actually in the ballot of about 20... I think it's like 24, 25 fighters in there. Nigel Ben was in it. Chris Eubanks in it. Vinny Paz, Ricky Hatton, Shane Mosley. Been a, you know, he's, he's a future Hall of Famer. It's as simple as that. But yeah, yeah. he wants to come back and, and... I wouldn't say tarnish his legacy, but 
you know, leave a bit of a, a black mark on it by coming back and having one more fight for for the sake of what for for money for for pride. I, I don't want to see it. So this injury hopefully will completely cancel the fight and it won't get made back up again. There won't be a future date for it and it won't happen. And that's ideally what I'd like to see for it. So maybe this is you know his body telling him, come on, Nigel, you know, let's have it right. There's no need for this anymore. So we'll we'll see what happens. But other other than that, Johnston, I didn't really have any other other breaking news as such to report uh, for this episode. Anything from your side? Uh, not really, just to see the odd bits of Tyson Fury. Did he, he got injured in WWE? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'll see it. I, I'll, as soon as I see injury in w, WWE together, I assume it's just one of those smoke screens that they, they put out there to try and uh, push the fight for their, their up and coming fight will be the end of the end of the month. Is it like this weekend or next week? Thursday. I'm not sure. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, well there you go. Yeah. So is it still happening? I don't know, but I heard he had an injury and uh, so I weren't sure what to make of that. And then uh, then I did see something about him is he contemplating going to MMA MMA <laughs> and um, yes. having uh, um what's his face as his coach, uh Conor McGregor. I was like, What the fuck is this about? So I really don't know where he's going at the minute. I am hoping he's he's right <laughs> mentally. I mean I know he's earning he's earning a few you know, he's earning quite a lot of money, but um God, I don't know what he's doing. I know Frank Warren's having nightmares and fits, you know, because he must be thinking, God's sake, you know, we've got this wild fight coming up. You know, what are you doing? I just wonder if he's just trying to make himself known with, obviously, Wilder Ortiz 2 coming up. Maybe he just wants to keep himself in the headlines because I did see another thing with Fury and he's sort of saying that Wilder has no depth, he's got no personality and, and he just pretends to have a personality. That's why he has this alter ego and he's just basically mocking him and, I just wonder if maybe it is mind games. I'm hoping it is. I hope he's not losing his mind and he's just using He's got mind games in, in, in the back of his head where he wants to mess about with Wilder a little bit. Um, so who knows? But um, yeah, I don't know. Is there any truth in the injury? Sure, I really don't know. I'll see it briefly. I didn't read too much on, to be honest. No, it's bullshit. Don't believe that. It's just it's just a work. It's what it's what's known as in wrestling as a work. It's just basically to get the fans believing that he's genuinely been hurt, basically making him more of an underdog for this this sort of staged match that they've got at their pay per view on Thursday. So he'll come in, he'll come in a little bit injured against a much bigger guy, someone who's as big as him and you know, a lot beefier than him and you know, he'll probably get thrown around the ring for a few minutes before he'll somehow end up wi- winning the match and it'll just make his popularity skyrocket in the USA and I just think it's great marketing from them and obviously he's talking about this MMA thing as well and it wouldn't surprise me that he'd actually go in and have at least one competitive MMA fight there's lots of people that have tried to do it James Tony went in there didn't he I think it was Randy Couture yeah. he fought, he fought and got ch- got choked out again so there's been people that have done it there's been guys from WWE CM Punk for anybody who knows the WWE wrestlers he went in there lost twice but got himself into the UFC just off his popularity from wrestling alone so I think Tyson Fury's just sort of looking at these markets but the one thing that did interest me that I did see a few articles coming out about was the fact that he's saying he's only got about three fights left in his career and that made me think that made me think about what are them three fights going to be we're going to have Wilder for sure, and then yep. are we going to are we going to have the winner in Joshua versus Ruiz, and then maybe another Wilder match? 
that made me really question what's next for Tyson Fury in the boxing world. Well, I didn't know that. Um, obviously, people were talking about Wilder and then Wilder again. So they're talking about in the contract with this rematch, they've got the third one as well. So, And that's why, you know, with Dillian White recently, that they, the WBC came out and said that he's not going to get a title shot until, was it February 2021? Yes. <laughs> Which did, did tickle me because I think... We're still waiting to find out with this sample and whether he, is he clear up, we still don't know. Maybe they're waiting out until December and then January they come out and say, yeah, he's not, he's not been done. But in actual fact, he's already served a six-month suspension, which is sad you mentioned. So, which is sad that probably ain't too far away from what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's interesting that he said that. Um, I mean, the one thing I will say, you know, with this WWE thing, I can actually, I think I can predict what's going to happen. I actually think he's going to get beat up a bit, Fury. And then what's going to happen is, you know, he looked like he's going to be out and then he's going to get up out of nowhere you know where does that remind you of the wilder fight and then when he when he when he puts him down and pins him or whatever I can actually see Deontay Wilder walking down the aisle with his mask on I could I could see it happening I'm not even joking I could see Wilder making an entrance into the WWE himself um, that wouldn't surprise me if we see Wilder Fury in a boxing ring maybe in February but maybe not the trilogy maybe the trilogy would be in a WWE ring who you knows <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you. I mean, look at what else they're doing in WWE. On that same card, they've got former MMA heavyweight champion, UFC heavyweight champion, Cain Velasquez, going in against uh, Brock Lesnar, who who he fought and beat in the UFC a few years ago. Yeah, so WWE are just pulling out all the stops to kind of get the, from a marketing perspective, just to get these names in there so that they can earn money and transition the fans over from, say, the boxing world or the MMA world to get that extra bit of cash. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's just marketing marketing genius, to be honest with you. So I think yeah. that, that about wraps it up for, for this particular episode. Uh, just before I call a close to the episode, again, as I did in the last episode, I'm looking for anybody out there, any companies out there that are looking to sponsor BTR Boxing Podcast to come and approach us, have a chat and sit down and let's see if we can work something for, for the future. We are really looking to get a sponsor for the next 12 months. We're looking to get that support to keep us going, to keep us going to the next levels that we want to go to. So if you know of a company or you are part of a company or you own a company that you can think you can help us out with, then please get in touch with us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast as well. I'd be really, really willing to sit down and and hear your thoughts about how we can work together to get your company much more exposure through the podcast but also support us at the same time as always fight fans go and find us on social media at btr boxing pod on twitter and on facebook btr boxing podcast we'll be back later on this week for a breakdown preview of canelo versus kovalev and on thursday night check us out because the next edition of the career profile series is out it's the career of michael the jinx spink so Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.